Hi there, and it's uh, time now for the 1997 SummerSlam review. I've had, had the chance over the last few days to watch the, all the matches back, um, and here we go, it keeps with the SummerSlam review series, so here we go. Kicks off with uh, Mankind versus Triple H or Hunter Hearst Helmsley, as he was there, in a steel cage match. Uh, this is up there with the all-time great openers for any big four pay-per-view. This was brilliant. What a great match. This was a great rivalry as well because it got both guys over even further, which is the purpose of a rivalry. It actually elevated both of them. Whoever won or lost whenever, it elevated both of them. You had the two months earlier, you had the King of the Ring final, which to me is, will always be the greatest King of the Ring final ever between these two guys. Uh, Triple H wins that one. Uh, and then we get to hear Mankind wins this, and the way he wins it as well. Uh, but doing the it's, it's brilliant storytelling because you you see the whole thing about how he used to like want to emulate Jimmy Snooker when he was ju- the the old videos they were showing on TV when he jumped off the the ho- the roof of the house, and then you have him that he wins this match here by jumping off the roof of the cage as well like Jimmy Snooker did because he's seen that back in what was it Madison Square Garden I believe he actually wins it here and then he becomes he becomes dude love at the end as well and he wins the match as Mankind but he celebrates his dude love at the end it's, it's just brilliant this is an outstanding match and there was even bigger and better things to come from these two guys going forward, especially going to Royal Rumble 2000. But uh, th- this was brilliant. This is how you you kick a show off in style here. Uh, this was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, a real joy watching this back. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Goldust versus Brian Pillman is next. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I hate to say this match is complete shit. You've got, and it's a shame, you saw that Brian Pill unfortunately passed away not, uh, about two months just after this, I believe. Um, yeah, absolute tragedy. Um, but um, everyone, everyone here was, this, the story around's great. They had all these stipulations going on, as which was a theme of the night. Uh, Brian Pillman, if he lost, would have to wrestle in Marlena's dress. Until he won a match, which that was a great story. That <laughs> no, was a great stipulation and everything like that. But um, yeah, the the match itself it's just boring. Nothing really happens. The 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 finish, the idea for the finish is good because it's like what happens before is like Goldust and Pillman just are it's like it's completely botched. You can see it pure as day, and I don't want to be one of those who goes on about the execution of the moves, but you can see it, it looks botched and pretty fake and everything. But the the idea is there, just after it, Marlena slaps Pillman and Golder throws him up and wins, so the, the actual idea of the finish is good, it's just it was one of those things badly executed, better best forgotten this match, really is. Up next, Legion of Doom versus the Godwins. Uh, yeah, this came about because a few months earlier, uh, Henry Godwin actually did unfortunately break his neck uh, when taking a doomsday device. I think it was either on a shotgun Saturday night or raw taping, something like that, I believe. So uh, the the match itself is fine. It is what it is. Um, Legion of Doom win, as they should, because Legion of Doom are awesome, and uh, the Godwins suck. They're sorry. I just, I just hate the Godwins. I really, they, they were just shit. 
any combination you ever tried with these two was just shit. Remember, they were Southern Justice for a bit, and that was shit as well. So there you have it. But uh, yeah, Bleacher of Doom wins, good. Match is fine. It does what it does. It is what it is. Up next, yeah, Ken Shamrock versus the British Bulldog. Uh, for the European title, uh, really good. Uh, I really like this match actually. Uh, two, two proper badasses. Two pro- British Bulldog was one of those guys. He had the, all the technical work rate and everything like that, but he was a badass as well. You could believe him. He looked amazing, and you could believe him in a real fight, which is why him and Shamrock was actually a good match. In that way, and they they could actually match up very well together. And, uh, and yeah, this ends in a disqualification. Shamrock gets disqualified. There was a stipulation that if Bulldog lost, he'd have to eat dog food. Thankfully, he didn't because that would be just stupid. I don't want to see a grown man eating dog food. And I don't want to see grown men pouring dog food on each other. Uh, take, note, Bru- take note, Bruce Pritchard, because you did it not once but twice in recent memory. Yeah, you put that on Fox. No wonder your ratings are tanking. But still... Anyway, this match was actually good. This, this showed you how you can actually use a DQ and you actually keep both guys fine because if you want to keep the, the belt and the bulldog, that's great. It fed into Shamrock's character as well. Like you know he could snap at a minute's notice and he was a loose cannon and everything like that. And that was great And because he absolutely went ballistic, beating up all the referees and things like that. So it kept him strong, even though he didn't, he lost the match and didn't win the title he was still kept strong and it was consistent with his character, which was great writing, great booking. So that is exactly what it needed to be. So there you go. They maybe didn't want to put a title on Shamrock so quickly into his run as well because he was just in the door. So I get that. And of course, Bulldog was going to wrestle Shawn Michaels just a, a month after this at one night only in, in London. To, um, I think, well, it was either London or Manchester, I can't remember. But um, yeah... You want Bulldog going back home with the belt. So I think this was well done. Well done. Uh, up next, uh, Los Bariquas versus DOA. Who are they, you might ask? I'll tell you who they are. And that's a good question, by the way, because most people probably don't fucking remember. But it was like uh, after Savio Vega and Crush went away from the Nation of Domination, they formed their own stables. Uh, so uh, yeah, honestly, this was actually not a pretty good match. Eight-man tag, it was fine. It was fine for what it was. DOA had a, have a cool entrance when they're coming out with the, the bikes and things. The Nation of Domination were clearly the most over and the most interesting people out of the, this whole faction, but this faction were, and yet they weren't officially in the match, which was kind of weird. But uh, you can, I mean, maybe, maybe it would have been better if you did a triple threat with the leaders of all the matches, like Farouk versus Savio versus Crush. That maybe would have made more sense, but I, I'm not sure if there was injury situations. I know Ahmed Johnson had just jo- not long joined the nation, but then got injured, and he was here and plays in the finish when he Pearl River, Pearl River plunges uh, one of the DOA and rolls him in the ring and he gets pinned. It's fine, but he was win. It's actually a pretty good match. It's, but it's not a match I remembered a hell of a lot about, to be honest, going into it, but it was, it was pretty good to watch back. So that was fine. Uh, up next... Uh, this is this one goes in infamy in many ways. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Title. I think we all know how this one finishes, and I will say before you get to the finish, this is actually a really quite brilliant match. 
is such a good band. It's so entertaining. The, the two of them work so well together. You had the stipulation as well that Austin said, because Owen pinned him a month earlier at the Canadian Stampede, and then he came out the next night on Raw and was like, well, if I can't kick his ass, I may as well kiss his ass. And there you go. If Stone Cold didn't win the Intercontinental title, he had to kiss Owen Hart's ass. That's a stipulation there. Nowadays, that was a great little one one night stipulation. Nowadays in WWE, they probably make a kiss my ass pay per view and just have a load of kiss my ass matches like they do with Hell in a Cell. But there you fucking go. But um, this this was actually a, a really good match. If you look at the finish, obviously we all know how it finished. The one did the pile driver, and what you well, one thing I'm going to notice you've you've heard other stories as well. I've heard like Stone Cold has said he he thought he was the next Christopher Reeve. It was like oh, it really could have went that bad. It really could have. And that's horrendous, absolutely horrendous to think of. And he was you've heard so he tells Errol Hebner uh, to alone to stall for time, and the absolute brilliant professional that Owen Hart is, he does stall for time brilliantly. He walks a bit saying, ah, oh, now he's going to kiss my ass and doing the Canada chants as well. And it's, he does great until Austin can get a, up, get enough about him just to roll him over. It's the worst looking roll up ever, but you can understand why. But in many ways, it's the best roll up ever because at least he was able to finish and at least he was able to get the finish done. And, Thankfully, he was all right after this. I mean, thankfully, obviously, it shaved years of his career. Uh, but but thankfully, at least, it could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. So it's a it's a fantastic match with tragic circumstances in many ways, and in many ways, triumph as well because Stone Cold as well. The fact that he actually is able to get leave the arena on his feet holding the title in the air. This whole thing about Stone Cold being the toughest son of a bitch wasn't just a market employee. You knew he was the real deal. He was a one tough son of a bitch, and this really showed it. This really absolutely showed it brilliantly. So um, yeah, there you go. It's one of those things you can look back on. And But the match itself is honestly it's really good to watch. It's a very thoroughly entertaining match. Thoroughly entertaining <laughs> Terry Law's commentary when he's desperate to, he's like mocking saying that Stone Cold's gonna have to kiss Owen's ass and things like that and JR even says to him why do you want to see a grown man kiss another man's behind <laughs> uh, wrestling was amazing back then it really was and we can't speak of a witch we come to the main event of the show Brett the Hitman Hart versus The Undertaker for the WWF title this this match was fucking awesome. This was brilliant. I loved literally everything, everything about this match. The storyline going in. The, the odd thing is, funny enough, Undertaker's the, the champion going in and he's kind of a side character in a weird little way because everything kind of revolved around Brett and Sean and the little stipulation that Brett doesn't win the title, he can't wrestle in the United States again. If Sean doesn't call the match down the middle... He can wrestle in the United States again, but the match itself is fantastic. It's so well done, as you would expect, between these two absolute legends. And the finish, it builds to a crescendo. You're not having false finishes every five seconds. It tells a story, and it builds to a crescendo. It actually builds to the end brilliantly. The ending is fantastic here. When Brett 
Brett, uh, Undertaker with a chair buying Sean's back when he's knocked down and things like that. Uh, counts the f- he's counts the fall and then Undertaker kicks out. But he notices the chair's still in the ring. Sean picks it up and starts saying, you, you use this, you use this. And Brett, Brett, I'm not a rip leader, but I'm pretty sure Brett says, fuck you. I'm almost certain he says, fuck you, before he spits in Sean's face. And then Sean swings the chair. Brett ducks, hits the Undertaker. Brett gets the cover. Sean knows he has to count because if he doesn't count, he's gone. He can't wrestle in the United States again. Counts one, two, three. He gives his sworn enemy. He's basically given his sworn enemy the title. Fucking amazing. And not just this, but the stuff it led to as well. This started the Shawn Michaels Undertaker feud, which led to there was a match at In Your House Ground Zero a month later, which was ended a double disqualification, but it was great. It was so well done. And the fact that then led to a couple months after this, Bad Blood, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and the first ever Hell in a Cell, and the debut of Kane. This match, the finish of this match was so brilliant. It just set up, not just on the night itself, but it set up so much brilliant stuff, brilliant television going forward. That was the greatest time to be a wrestling fan, when you had quality over quantity. Well, still, overall, SummerSlam 97, I've, yeah, Goldust and Brian Pillman, yeah, the match itself's not very good, but it is what it is. Everything else, though, you've got three quality, absolute top quality matches with the main event, Austin Owen Hart, uh, Mankind Triple H. There was so much memories, so much to talk about, and it was a, a joy, absolute joy, re watching all this back, so... Absolutely brilliant. SummerSlam 1997, definitely one of the best SummerSlams ever for me and my book. So thanks very much for listening and uh, hopefully maybe a SummerSlam 98 review coming up some sometime soon. So thanks very much. Uh, bye-bye.